My favorite home renovation show is Trading Spaces, which was on the Learning Channel in the early 2000s. Two teams, two days, $1,000. Each team had the help of a professional designer and a carpenter, and they raced against the clock to finish one room in each other's homes. Now, while the neighbors showed up and they did a lot of hard work and they had literal homework all night long, the vision and the direction were really in the hands of the designers and the carpenters who had the knowledge. Now, sometimes the designers went a little crazy and rogue, like Hilda, uh, who one time took a living room and glued straw on all the walls, like actual straw. Yet that homeowner was not too happy. But often, under the leadership of skilled designers and carpenters, along with the willingness of the family to put in the work that was needed, the home renovations met and exceeded their expectations and the needs of the family. This family simply needed to hand over the keys, trust the designer, and be willing to do some of the work. Now, we love the idea of renovating homes. Uh, we spend entire uh, time and, and money and expertise on this, and we have entire television networks dedicated to it. And we love them for a lot of reasons. Some of those reasons are healthy, like we need to improve the look of our home or add value to it or just change it for our family's needs. But some reasons are unhealthy, like never being satisfied with what we have or trying to keep up with the Joneses. Now, with all of this investment in our homes, what about the investment in the renovation of our hearts? Many of us are aware that our hearts are in disrepair and neglected. For some of us, anxiety, fear, pride, anger, and just delusionment rule the roost of our hearts. And we recognize the way that we are living our lives doesn't really work. And we're longing for something more. We're needing something more. But instead of really working on the source of the problems, we just roll on another layer of paint or we hang a picture over something and hope that it magically fixes everything. But the cracks deepen and they grow. They're still there. You see, friends, we are fixer-uppers. And it is time for a renovation of the heart. Now, if you've been through a home renovation before, the words, it's time for a renovation, uh, may bring you anything but joy. Hives, yes. Uh, dread, yes. Clutching your wallet, yes. Joy, maybe not so much. But here is the good news for us. The renovation of your heart is not a project for you to manage. You are not the lead contractor or the architect Yes, you have a part in cooperating with God, which is what we're going to explore in this sermon series. But the renovation work is the work of Christ in us. Our job is to hand over the keys to our hearts and to create space for Christ to do what only Christ can do. Our assignment is to reside in Christ and to be open to the work that he wants to do, trusting Christ's work in our lives will meet our deepest needs and our longings. Now, that sounds simple enough, right? But let's be honest. Most of us have an adverse reaction to handing over the keys to anything, and many of us suffer from a severe case of productionitis. A fake word, yes, but a real issue for so many of us. 
everywhere around us and even within us is a pressure to measure our worth by what we make happen at work, at home, in relationships, even in our hobbies. We ask, what did I accomplish? What did I produce? What fruit did I bear? And then our hearts feel depleted because our production is incorrectly sourced from ourselves and our very limited resources. See, burnout is not usually a result of trying to give too much. It's the result of trying to give what is not really within us. Which is why Jesus, who loves us and who cares for us, spoke these words in John chapter 15. Now, for context, these words are spoken the night that Jesus meets with his followers in the upper room, the night before his death. And he prepares them for his physical absence. And Jesus' statements that he was about to go away left them really sad and scared. And so he offered them comfort and encouragement and assurance as he does today as we read John chapter 15 beginning in verse 1. I am the true vine and my father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit he pruned to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This summer was my first adventure with gardening. Now, I usually travel most of the summer, so uh, that's not really suitable for gardening. But when late April came, or May, and it was soon evident that no one was going anywhere, I decided to give it a try. So the Pridemore family came over and helped me build a couple of garden beds. And then Jeff Feeler and Nathan Hamler brought me some good soil. And I planted the seeds, and I watered the seeds, and I watched the seeds, and I waited, and I waited Soon, green began to grow, and the plants began to flourish, and we eventually had these beautiful plants of tomatoes and peppers and zucchinis, and these little baby vegetables, which I think are just adorable. I was in in awe with the entire process, and I understood why gardening is so often used in metaphors for matters of faith. I had to prepare and nurture the soil and tend to the conditions I could control, but there was little more I could do to bear the fruit. I had to do my part, trust the process, 
and wait for growth to come. When I ran into challenges, I asked knowledgeable people about the symptoms and, and then followed their instructions. Like when my zucchinis failed to really grow much and they would start to rot on the vine. And for a while I thought, did I just buy some like mini zucchini seeds? I didn't understand what was happening. What I learned was that I had these lush green plants that looked really healthy, but they were getting in the way of growth. So when I pruned them back, until I did that, none of the pollinators could actually get to the flowers and do their things. And that's why my mini zucchinis weren't growing as they were designed to do. So I pruned a lot, trusting the experts. And eventually, over a couple of weeks, things began to finally take off. And soon I was looking up zucchini recipes and trying to give away as much of it as I could. Tending to my garden was a spiritual practice for me this spring and summer. And those quiet moments of pulling weeds and pulling branches and pruning things and feeding the soil and, and picking the reward, I marveled far more at the whole process than my hand in it because I was aware how little I did and offered to the outcomes. Yes, I, I made a home for the garden. Yes, I planted the seeds and I tended to the environment, but I did not grow it. And the Apostle Paul also knew this, and when he reminded new believers in the city of Corinth to look to Christ and not Paul as the one who would form them and grow them, he wrote this. Who do you think Paul is anyway, or Apollos for that matter? Servants, both of us, servants who waited on you as you gradually learned to entrust your lives to our mutual master. We each carried out our servant assignment. I planted the seed, Apollos watered the plants, but God made you grow. It's not the one who plants or the one who waters who is at the center of this process, but God who makes things grow. You are not at the center of your renovation. God is. Abolitionist and author Harriet Beecher Stowe wrote this, How does the branch bear fruit? Not by incessant effort for sunshine and air, not by vain struggles, it simply abides in the vine. In silent and undisturbed union and blossoms and fruit appears as of spontaneous growth. How then shall a Christian bear fruit? By efforts and struggles to obtain that which is freely given? No. There must be a full concentration of the thoughts and affections on Christ a complete surrender of the whole being to him, a constant looking to him for grace. Friends, as you are certain as I am, we are in the dead of winter and my gardens are covered in snow. And I must confess today, I've forgotten some of my garden lessons. I'm back to suffering from a case of production-itis and I desperately need this Lent season to renovate my heart and my mind and to remind me that God is the gardener of my life, that Christ is the vine and I am a branch. And maybe you need this reminder too. If we attempt this season of renovation by our own efforts, we will fail. Not just in our attempt to bear fruit because apart from him we can do nothing, but we also will fail to receive the joy that Jesus promises for those who abide in him completely. When we don't stay close to Jesus and 
follow his lead, we are cut off from the ongoing nourishment of God's grace and his love and his power. So no wonder we become tired and discouraged and depleted. We are called, we are invited to dwell 24-7 with Christ and engage in a slow, ongoing process of inviting him into every nook and cranny of our lives so that he might renovate us from the inside out. So as we begin the series, how might we begin to abide in Christ? How can we learn to stay close to him during this season so that Christ can do what only Christ can do? Here are four easy steps to begin with as we start this journey that I want us to look at. First of all, keep joining us for this sermon series the next six weeks. Each week we'll learn more about how God can renovate and reframe our lives and we'll be companions together on this renovation journey. Second, I want to challenge you to join one of our Lenten small groups for the next six weeks. There are five groups beginning this week. Two of those are beginning today. Most of those are virtual. One is in person. And you can find out more information online on how to join those groups. We'll be working together through a book called Renovation of the Heart by Dallas Willard. And this is a great way to just journey with other people who are also wanting to learn how to abide in Christ more and invite him to renovate their lives. Third, scripture memory. As we mentioned at the beginning of the service, we have a Lenten memory verse, John 15, 5. And I want to encourage you to just read that. Post that anywhere you can in your lives. Reflect on it, meditate on it, memorize it. There's something that is a gift about hiding scripture in our hearts and in our minds that allow us to abide with Christ while we're reflecting on those words. And the last one is a spiritual practice. Throughout the series, we are going to continue to learn some different spiritual disciplines and practices. Practices do not transform us or renovate us. They create opportunities and space for the spirit who transforms us. And once, one of those practices that we've been learning together for most of this year has been the breath prayer. And last series, we did a different breath prayer each week. But for this Lenten series, we're going to invite you to practice one breath prayer over and over as a way of breathing and being present to God. And as we end today, I want to end with us practicing together this breath prayer. On the inhale phrase, you think and pray this phrase uh, in your mind or out loud as you inhale your breath. And then on the exhale, you repeat that phrase and then we'll repeat it again with the inhale and the exhale. I want to invite you to do this with me together. You are the vine. I am a branch. I do nothing apart from you. You are the vine. I am a branch. I do nothing apart from you. May this be our prayer as we journey together through this season, and season, inviting God to renovate our hearts. May we remember that it is Christ who is at work in us, and apart from him, we can do nothing. Let's pray together. God, we're so grateful for the reminder of scripture, the freedom and the love that you offer to us. We try so hard, always feeling like our worth and And our value is in what we produce and what we do, even for you. But God, you're so clear in your word that you are the source of growth and change. 
and that we simply need to turn over the keys to our heart, to our lives, to you, and to abide with Christ, to dwell with Christ, to focus our thoughts and our hearts and our lives on Christ. And God, we just thank you for the relief that comes from knowing that we don't have to earn anything from you. We don't have to do anything in order to earn your love and grace. We simply need to abide in you and turn our affection and our heart towards you, and you will do the work. God, grant us patience. Grant us a yearning and desire, God, for this kind of life. And God, help us as we begin to learn in new and fresh ways how you can renovate our hearts. In your name we pray. Amen.